All right, Jeremy, what do you have today? War on plastic. What do you have? I have greedflation. Okay, people, let's begin. Off. Are you ready to be baited with the truth? Good, because you're listening to the Truth Bay Podcast. I'm documentary filmmaker and podcaster Andrew Marcus, and with me always as we deconstruct America's propaganda war is documentary filmmaker, podcaster, the one and only rebel pundit, Jeremy Siegel! Wow. <laughs> they sounded yeah, really of, excited today. A lot of energy today. <laughs> that was how many audiences was that? I had, uh, two brand new audiences for the podcast today. This is audience number one. <laughs> Sounds kind of like a tennis match, actually, or a golf match. Oh, you got a hole in one. And then this one. It sounds like rain, actually. I don't know. Do you hear rain? Oh, like something. That sounds like I don't know. That sounds like the applause for when you and I disagree on something, and then I get proven right. Oh, did that happen? No. But I (laughs) I was just envisioning it. I was just envisioning it happening. That would be like my ooh, you know, like. Well, here's what I would say. Here's what, here's the sound effect I'll play when you're proven right. It just isn't fair. <laughs> uh, okay, welcome to the podcast. Everybody share the show. Please share the show if you have not already, even if you have already. Share the show with a friend. Uh, that helps us a lot. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening to the podcast, please rate the show and leave a comment. Uh, give it a five-star rating and a five-star comment. That very much helps us, helps uh, helps us with the algorithms, uh, helps spread the word. So share the show. And uh, how was your week, Jeremy? Are you ready for your weekend? I'm very ready for this weekend. Why? Do you have something lined up? What's going on? It's just been a busy week, and there was a lot going on. I had to rescue my daughter from a lake yesterday, and just ready for things to wind down. Wow. Well, that sounds traumatic. We went fishing. That sounds traumatic. (laughs) (laughs) The fishing part was fun, but right as I got, uh, my kids had their lines tangled, and one of the lures hooked me right at the area around the zipper of my pants. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. That's that's (laughs) out of a movie. Right. Fortunately, it only hooked my pants, (laughs) but it was a close call. (laughs) So I'm just like, I'm like, all right, everybody freeze. (laughs) (laughs) Like, nobody move. Okay. Everybody stop fishing. (laughs) 
and let me deal with this. And I was dealing with it. And of course the barb was all the way through. So like this was a close call and I had to like work to get it out. And then all of a sudden one of my daughters screams, my son screams. I hear this giant splash and my three-year-old falls in the lake. Oh, does she know how to swim? (laughs) No. I mean, three, yeah, you wouldn't know. Yeah. She doesn't know how to swim. It's like a, it's like a two foot drop on the edge. And then it's probably like 18 inches or two feet of water. So it's like, I, I just, I forget about the hook in my pants and I leap into the lake oh, and pull her out. Wow. <laughs> she's totally fine. She's crying. I'm comforting her, you know, but like she was scared cause she felt, you know, she went under, it was shallow enough. She could have probably stood up but also was dangerous, you know, at the same time. So she's soaking wet. She's in her dress. She's crying. She's bawling. And I look down and I'm like, I still got a hook in my pants. (laughs) (laughs) You are like, you're like, you were baited. (laughs) No pun intended for this show, but you were, you were the bait on the hook. Right. (laughs) Going into the water to catch your daughter. Well, you're a hero. uh, you are a hero. So, yep. And then uh, we, we caught no fish. That's, I'm going to give you the, that one, too. Well played, sir. Well played. We, we caught no fish, but uh, it's the experience that counts. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> it was well worth it yesterday, yeah. Do you think your daughter will ever go back in the water? Well, I think... Uh, Yes, but she might not go fishing again. <laughs> Why? She's not the one yeah, who ended up with she, a hook in her pants. <laughs> no, but she might be done with the whole fishing thing for a while. We'll see. Well, right. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, good times. Uh, so what do you have today? I have a bunch of short, like small stuff. I don't have like a big feature story. I have a bunch of little stories. What do you have? Same, same. I just have... Uh, executive producer Ann sent me a really good one um, about plastic and it's uh, it's pretty funny and it, it had me thinking too because do you remember in the early days way back when of the Truth Bay podcast <laughs> I'm talking about January <laughs> Yeah, like January, February sometime. And what was going on, there was like a train derailment. In uh, East Palestine, Ohio. Yes, right. And we we covered that a few times. And I know we covered it a few times in the pre-public episodes that we did. Like point somewhere around point six or point seven. Because I went back to find... Stuff because we, pr- I, I had said at you, that time, people should know you're referencing uh, the point uh, one, two, three point episodes that we did, right. nine episodes that were rehearsal episodes. We never aired them, we never, we never posted them anywhere. They were just so Jeremy and I could figure out what in the world we were doing and how to do this. And, uh, and, and so those exist. One day we may, uh, they may come out in a subpoena. I don't know, but, uh, uh, so, I, sorry, I just wanted to make sure people knew what you were talking about. Right. So, it was in one of those episodes, because I couldn't find it, although I didn't search every Truthbait episode that's been public since, but I, 
I couldn't find there was a point in time where I had pondered whether or not that entire episode with that train blowing up intentionally uh it was blown up intentionally was uh it was a bunch of plastic chemicals wasn't it it had something to do with yeah it was i think the, that's right it was some toxic chemicals in there that were used for plastic manufacturing facilities that and sounds right. i and i recalled pondering that that that, that we were looking at something we couldn't quite see yet, but it was gonna it was gonna lead to some push in in banning plastics. You know that there. I remember there was a push up in Canada. It was had to do with PVC, and there was a same uh, push, a big conspiracy to ban PVC usage up in uh, Canada. And I thought that we're going to see the same thing here. And then executive producer Ann sent me this clip yesterday. There's a Senate hearing on regulating uh, plastic with this woman that wants to uh, get rid of all plastic. And it's I like just, that idea on its face. What is she going to replace it with? That's interesting. You should ask that question. Um, and so the senator from Oklahoma, Mullen, had similar questions. Um, but this is just this. Is, she's just. I don't know. Tell me if you think she's a champion for the cause of banning plastic or not thank you chairman <clears throat> mr bradford in your testimony did i understand you right said so did you want to end all plastic manufacturing i said the plastics industry must be stopped so does that mean end plastic manufacturing i mean in my dream world sure <laughs> in my dream world sure but i think that so um Oh, so oh what, go ahead. So I, I, and I don't mean to be condescending here. I just point out what's going to replace your glasses. Um, like, so I do you know. <laughs> She's wearing glasses. <laughs> she, she, she looks like how she sounds. How does she sound to you? What does uh, she sound like? She sounds Who is like, this girl? Uh, she sounds like she uh, maybe was Judge her, her. Uh, recently Judge her. was a, a resident assistant. At a dormitory on a college campus. Yes. Ding, ding. <laughs> Where's my dinger today? There we go. Um, she looks like she's fresh off the campus. Um, and she's got glasses on. And he said, what about your glasses? No. Your glasses around your face. They're, they're made of plastic. Maybe. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> this is... <laughs> I don't really I mean, even man. know. I haven't audited myself. <laughs> right. Oh, he should have asked her, what is a woman? You know, like, she's like, your glasses are plastic. Well, maybe. Your money is made out of paper. Well, maybe. I mean, this is like, there's no truth in this girl's life. Mm -hmm. no, I don't know what they're made out of. They are. What, so, what about, and I'll just point out some things here, because I just want to be realistic when we're having conversations, because when statements are made like this, I just want to open people's eyes and say, well, what, okay, that's easy to say, but what's the solution? Your water bottle in front of you. This one? Yes. That plastic? No. The lid is. Oh! That's plastic. Right. So right. It, I would it, say. 
<laughs> right. She doesn't know it. I love when they get yeah, when they right. throw out the right. <laughs> she doesn't know what to say. He just keeps getting her one after the other. Say to your question that I would first be concerned about single your, use plastics, and then we can talk your, about alternatives your, to this. Your your cell phone there. Is it plastic? The cases. But it's glass because I broke oh, the components this inside of it are yesterday. <laughs> the components made out of it's not plastic. Yeah, they are. The water that you filled that water bottle up with. Um, where'd you fill that water bottle up out of? A water filling station. All right, and it was delivered by a drink station that was plastic. I didn't check. The edges are. The piping coming to it. Now, you have a couple of choices with the piping. <laughs> um, we could go back to using wood. We're going deep. But then you have to have. <laughs> he gives her all the options now for, 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 for piping. You have to have line it in chemical. Uh, or we could go back <clears throat> and use lead, because we used to have water piping that was lead. That was harmful to us. Uh, we'd go back to galvanized, but galvanized rust and had discoloration. Um, we'd go back to copper, but, but copper has to be mined, and everybody wants to stop mining in the U.S., so you use plastic to deliver piping that you fill that water bottle up with today. I, I point this out because the clothes you have on, I guarantee you have plastic in it. The shoes you have on your feet, the soles of those shoes are plastic. So we talk about any, any manufacturer, plastic manufacturing and everybody in here cheers when you say that, but everybody here is depending on plastic as you set. So if you want to end it, then quit using it. It's kind of like, I don't sharp it or shop at certain places right now because I don't agree with some of their policies. I choose not to do that. You can choose to not use plastic. Do your work. If, 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 if you believe it, then live it that way. And, so, and, and if not, then tell me what the solution is. Mr. Sun so he... I think he got her pretty well. He's a Republican senator from Oklahoma. And uh, this girl does appear to be black. Her name is Angel Bradford. I don't know if that's how she identifies or not, um, but she's, uh, I guess, an, a witness in favor of getting rid of all plastics. I wonder how her. much how much plastic do you think there is in a Tesla? <laughs> There's got to be a ton of it. Um, and in fact, the next witness. I think that's what he talks about is <laughs> I have not heard I, car I have not heard any of this I have not I didn't know this was what you were bringing so far I have been predictive <laughs> through most of this segment <laughs> you're right on you're right on with this I think you should maybe be a witness in one of these hearings let me see he goes right into it with an, with another witness here that's plastic Right. So, Oops, sorry, wrong screen. Mr. Sunday, can you manufacture a car today without plastic? Because we talked about manufacturing, the chairman brought up manufacturing cars, is it is safe. But the components that go into the cars today, can you do that without, without plastic? 
No, Senator, and increasingly so with the new uh, mileage mandates. You increasingly need to use automotive components that are plastics derived. So we wouldn't have manufacturing, today's modern manufacturing, if we didn't have plastics, correct? Correct. Ms. Jackson, do you agree with that statement? Now, th this is why I mentioned that the first girl was black, because also this witness is also black, but she has a completely different perspective. And this woman is definitely not straight off the college campus. This is Miss, yes. Mrs. Jackson or Miss Jackson that he just called on. Yes. So what's the alternative for manufacturing? Because we, the Democrats talk about middle-class wages. Middle-class wages typically come directly from manufacturing. What is it that we're manufacturing that doesn't have plastic in it today? Nothing. And you know what? It would increase the cost of everything if we turn to an alternative and it would disproportionately impact low-income people who have lower incomes. It would be another regressive tax on the poor. So, so <laughs> that's like a bomb dropping. <laughs> she, she, I mean, this the stream against itself. Yeah. And she continues a little bit on the auto industry and a whole bunch of examples of how bad this is or how bad it would be uh, for the economy in general. And for, especially for, you know, poorer people or blue collar working class people, uh, if they just came up with this blanket ban on uh, plastics that would happen in this Angel Bradford's ideal world, uh, whose glasses might be made of plastic. So you had you had which are made of plastic. You had a an elitist black woman and then right. a non elitist black woman. Were were you able to see? Did they show the expression on Angel's face? <laughs> as, as no that that was a that was the thing. Is yeah, you could kind of see as as they go th as he's questioning her. I mean, she looks like you would expect her to look. Unfortunately, when he was really picking her apart, that was the camera was on him. Mm. Um, but yeah, like when she was. Figuring whether her glasses were made of plastic. I mean, is she or not, even still in the room at this point? <laughs> she yeah, slip she's out. There. <laughs> <laughs> she's there, but it was, uh, yeah, might have been an embarrassing day for Angel Bradford. Wow. So, anyways, I just I thought this was interesting. Uh, like I said, ex executive producer Anne sent it, and it immediately brought me back to the train derailment. It immediately brought me back Did there because the I was... Did they mention the train derailment during this hearing? No, they didn't. They didn't. No, but it was... The reason is just because I had thought at that time, we're, we're going to be starting... To, this is going to... Because of all those... That chemical explosion and those sound bites of that one uh, guy in the area saying, we basically nuked a town to save the railroad. You remember that? Yes. Um, and I, and I do remember commenting at that time, I bet you all of this is leading into, this is, this is part of an anti-plastic propaganda campaign that's coming, That I suppose that that's I'm not what we're going to see yet. here. I, well, I, yes, I think you're right that there is probably an anti-plastics campaign 
uh, that might be brewing, but I'm not sure that that's you're the not train sure it's derailment. connected. Yeah, no, I'm not. I, I I'm more inclined to think that the train derailment is the cause of uh, uh, low resources devoted to safety on that line and. Uh, well, then it became never let a good crisis go to waste. <laughs> uh, that I would definitely agree with, for sure. <laughs> and I, yeah, and I'm not saying that was the purpose of uh, of the train derailment or the explosion, but as the as the media narratives were rolling out at that time, that's what I was seeing. Is this is this is useful, a useful occurrence to the anti-plastic push, which is, by the way, all over the place, by the way. I haven't seen it, but now it's, I'm going to. <laughs> no, like even... Now, now I won't be able to you, uh, per, uh, avoid noticing You will, noticing because it. look, like, well, like, I, I started noticing about six months ago, it was in, uh, like, uh, I would see InfoWars headlines, Alex Jones headlines about microplastics in our food. And microplastics. It is, in there our is a water. real issue. There, we the, the globe is awash in plastic right now. So there is a real issue. That's why I said I, I don't mind the idea on its face. What do you got? What do you got? Yeah, but I also want to see, and I and I'm and I'm with you. Like I, I mean, I I had told uh, executive producer Ann a while ago, like maybe we should not use so much plastic stuff or plastic cups or plastic plates. For the kids, things like that. Like, I, all I needed to see was a couple headlines to change my behavior. <laughs> but I haven't <laughs> seen any evidence. I haven't seen any evidence. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, they got right to me. You know, they're like microplastics are in your gut. I'm like, all right, no more plastic in the house. Get rid of it all. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't think that. The, I don't believe the. Maybe that's happening. I. I don't but believe my, the people I'm telling like, me. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and so I'm like, I'm like. I'm I'm kind of like yeah, but let me see like how bad actually is it? You know, like where where are the real problems with plastic? Because there's uh, there's a lot of good things plastic does, right? I uh, mean, it's sitting on this girl's face so she can plastics. see better. Uh, could you imagine if a company like Nabisco were to get rid of their plastics, but you still had to eat all of the chemicals they put in their food? <laughs> you'd still get microplastics. <laughs> uh, that was a good story. Thank you to without the plastic. Yeah. I, I, I just thought it was hilarious. Come on. This girl was such a terrible witness. I think I, I mean, want this is, a, this is United States Senate. Executive producer Ann, can I can we ask executive producer Ann to go back to that hearing and and mine more for it for our next episode <laughs> because I have a feeling there's a lot more amazing content going on in that in there that are hearing. probably some more good nuggets in there. You know what's going to um, happen? They're going to pass the ban. They're going to pass whatever lunacy the left wants because that's where this all goes. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to be for it because of the microplastics that Alex Jones said we're eating <laughs> that are going to turn us into frogs. They're never going to get rid of plastic <sighs> because of this next story. This next story, they depend on plastics. You ready? Yeah. Yeah, here. You know what that is? What is that? Uh, Mission Impossible. That is correct. 
theme song to Mission Impossible. And the reason I'm playing that, Jeremy, do you remember in the in Mission Impossible, one of the things that they were really good at was masking. Like they, they would have disguises and they'd be these full head masks and they'd just tear them off and suddenly they were another person. Oh, I know what you're going to play. <laughs> Wait, I don't know. Well, okay, we'll see. Uh, so I, I don't know if you've been hearing, there's a lot of rumors out there right now, uh, conspiracy theory that... Joe Biden is not Joe Biden. That the person that we're looking at day in and day out is not Joe Biden. It may be one or or more other people wearing a mask. Have you heard anything about that? So these are people who are identifying as Joe Biden. <laughs> they are with a mask. absolute with a mask. And I have heard that. I have heard, and I I also heard actually back closer to the coup period, like right after the coup, that he, not that it was uh, people wearing a mask, but that he was actually a hologram. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I saw that on some kind of QAnon thread, so I just accepted it to be true so do you 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 then am i to take by implication of that of that joke that you regard the the idea that we're looking at somebody in a mask that that's that it's a conspiracy theory on par with the story you're putting well no what i'm saying is the story that you're putting forth that it's people wearing a mask is disinformation to cover up the truth that he is just a hologram. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> well, here uh some people would disagree with you. Hello everyone. My name is John Anderson. I have reason to believe the president has been replaced by a deep fake. This this is the true Joe Biden. Okay? He's showing an image of a very elderly, gaunt-looking Joe Biden. And here you can see, on what we think is the real Joe Biden, look at the skin. Look at the skin coming up. And he's pointing to the differentiation in the color between the where the neck meets the face. It's like halfway down, right by his Adam's apple. It goes from, in this image, from pale white to like darker underneath. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's a mask. He's convinced it's a mask, but he's not the only one. Listen to this. You can't tell me this is normal. Look at his forehead. This is from a, a clip that made the rounds fairly recently where it looks like his face is melting off. The, the, the it's all wrinkled. It looks like it's sliding down from the top and bunching up above his eyebrows. It's creepy. It's absolutely creepy. And this woman is reacting oh, to it. Oh, I want to see it. You can't tell me this is normal. Look at his forehead. This is bull****. That's a mask. That's a skin mask. It ain't normal. Look at it. Bull****. So, yeah. There are people out there that absolutely believe it. There's another clip out there where, and I don't have it because there's nothing to hear, but uh, where he's scratching the back of his neck and you it really looks like there's some weird latex thing going on on his neck where it's See, his neck I is feel folding like, in a weird way 
I feel like this lends credibility to my theory recently. Remember when he fell a couple weeks ago at the Navy graduation yeah, or whatever fell it was? And, and couldn't get up. He had to have help getting up. It was like back a total up. nosedive, like yep. a total. I mean, he was like, sandbagged. And that. That headline was everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if I said it on the last show or not, but I was I, I was sure watching that clip that that was an intentional fall. To make him look more feeble because it's actually Barack Obama under there. Or right. so, somebody. Or somebody. <laughs> Michelle. Somebody. Could be Michelle. Could be... And, right. The, no, but that's what I... That was what I thought. I was like... I'm like... I'm watching that clip, and it, it looked like he actually dove, like he did an intentional... I used to do that all the time as a joke in different certain places. Like, when I got called onto the dance floor at my sister's wedding, I did a fake fall, and I rolled into the mm-hmm. middle of the dance floor. So I thought it looked like that. It looked like he put his hands out before he fell and it was a dive. It wasn't an actual fall. And that would and then why would he do that? And that's to keep people talking. They're always talking about this incompetent old man and that's a big distraction, I think. Right. That's right where they want you. And they right. they want you talking about whether or not this is a double. They love that. Whether or not there's like a, a face right, mask, totally going same on. thing. They want it. Same thing. They love you talking about Obama isn't born an American, and and whether who his who, uh, Malia and his daughters, they're not really his kids. It doesn't matter well, if they are he wasn't or not. Born but they America. want those aren't his kids. But yeah, I, I get your point. <laughs> they want you talking about those things. Uh, Wasn't he born in Hawaii? That uh, allegedly, that's right. That's what they say. Yeah, I think he. I but think you're right. They kept that conspiracy alive. That's why they put out a digital birth certificate. If there's a real birth certificate, you know, right? Uh, it and be now they're easy putting to put out, out a, and, uh, digital birth certificates and digital Bidens. <laughs> Show title. There we go. Digital Bidens. <laughs> uh, it sounds crazy. Did you ever see the movie Argo? I have not seen that movie. But you remember what it was? It was about the Iran hostage situation and the way that they got some of those people out. That's all I know. Okay, I really here. don't know. I really don't know the story. Starring uh, Ben Affleck. Here, I'm going to play a little preview of it. Actions of Iran have shocked the civilized world. That's uh, Jimmy Carter. He used to be the worst president uh, the Uni- in the United States history. Not anymore. Actions of Iran have shocked the civilized world. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Spread everything. Our embassy has been seized and more than 60 American citizens continue to be held as hostages. If we're going to go, then we need to go now. What happened? Six of the hostages went out a back exit. Where are they? The Canadian ambassador's house. You got revolutionary guards going door to door. These people die. They die badly. White House? Who wants the six of them out? What we like for this are bicycles. Deliver the six bikes, provide them with maps. Or you could just send in training wheels and meet them at the border with Gatorade. I got an idea. They're a Canadian film crew for a science fiction movie. I fly into Tehran. We all fly out together as a film crew. 
I need you to help me make a fake movie. So you want to come to Hollywood and act like a big shot without actually doing anything? Yeah. You'll fit right in. Now, the reason that I'm playing that for you is that is a story about... It's Ben Affleck is playing CIA agent Tony Mendez. Tony Mendez became very famous because of this movie. Uh, He, very brave, flew into Tehran, (laughs) posing as a Canadian filmmaker, uh, location scout, and went to the Canadian embassy where these six Americans were hiding out and converted them into... Uh, members of the crew, the scouting crew, the director, the writer, uh, cinematographer. None of these other people had any experience uh, as the story is told. And in 24 hours, he was able to get them ready and get them out of the country. And they went through the airport in Tehran where people were being executed and he got them out. And uh, It's a true story? It's a true story. Now, how how much of the film is accurate? That's very questionable, but it's a, it is based on a true story. And in the movie, Tony Mendez has a wife, but you never see her because they 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 play it as though I guess either they're separated or they're divorced. You don't. I think it's ambiguous. It's been a while since I've seen the film. It's actually a. It's an entertaining film for propaganda. It's 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 pretty entertaining. I I highly recommend seeing it. Um, his wife. I found this video of his wife giving a TEDx talk at Foggy Bottom. It was a Foggy Bottom TEDx talk. Tell people about Foggy Bottom. Isn't uh, I actually I'm I, I get it confused. Fo- Foggy Bottom isn't that where the State Department is? Isn't that the State Department? Well, it's just it's a it's an area around D.C. Isn't it? But it's it, by, is it like it's by over by Georgetown? I think isn't it? I think so. But isn't it? Isn't yeah, like the equation? Like when they say Foggy Bottom, don't they? <laughs> aren't you? Don't you tend to be talking about state at that point? Oh, that may be. I just, I know, I just wanted to geographically reference ah, okay, for people yes. that Foggy Bottom is, it's like, you know, it's like a neighborhood around the D.C. area over in Georgetown. It's not quite downtown Washington, D.C., but it's still like city proper, kind of. You are talking uh, about the heart the air, of the swamp. You know, the it's area. foggy there because it is the yeah. swamp. Right. I think the fog rolls in or something. It's like a, it's a. The fog it must rolls be. in, I, and it's I have to. I, like I hope there's low, some fog somewhere that uh, yeah, notifies. Yeah, and me I day. think it it must be like a low sea level type place or something. It's like the foggy bottom. Well, that's why they call it foggy bottom. Listen to this excerpt from Tony Mendez's wife TEDx speech at Foggy Bottom. I was an undercover CIA officer. Sorry, I should say her name is Jonah Mendez. I was an undercover CIA officer for over 25 years. I lived and worked overseas. Isn't every CIA officer undercover? (laughs) 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 I thought they're all like secret. Like you don't go around saying you work at the CIA unless you're like the boss. No, but you always have a bunch of people that always say they worked at the CIA. They're retired. 
Yeah, I think that right. you have sure. the undercover portion <laughs> of your career, and then when you're no longer undercover, they say you're retired, but you're still working for the CIA. Like when you take the mask off. Well, yeah, let's go. Worked overseas and around the world. I lived in Europe. I lived in the Far East. I lived in the subcontinent. I was supporting CIA operations from a technical point of view on a global basis. The office that I belonged to at CIA was called the Office of Technical Service. We were, some people said, the CIA's answer to Q in the James Bond movies. And to a certain extent, that's exactly what we did. We were composed of mechanical and electrical engineers. We had chemists and physicists working for us. And then another group of people, harder to explain. We had counterfeiters. We had disguise officers, forensics folks. We were a, a big cluster of technical capability that could handle just about any kind of operation that you could imagine, and some that you could not. My husband was Tony Mendez, and he was played by Ben Affleck in the movie called Argo. Tony, they didn't mention it in the movie, but Tony had deep connections to Hollywood to the, the tradespeople out in L.A. that did a lot of things we were interested in doing. And uh, just to comment, how unique do you think that is? The CIA having deep, deep connections into Hollywood. Yeah, right. Special effects people, makeup people. Tony was chief of disguise 10 years before I was chief of disguise. And so he passed on some of his expertise to me. But he had a particular interest in the magic industry out in L.A. Not so much the magicians on the stage, but the people that were working behind the scenes to make that magic happen. So we went to L.A. and we posed some questions to them. We said, we have a problem. We're looking for novel solutions. What have you got? Can you help us? We need to hide the true identity of our officers in Moscow. Then they showed us some tools that they used. The one that really caught our eye is what's called a stunt double mask. You all know how they're used. When the movie star is so famous or so good looking that they can't risk damaging him, they'll put a stunt man in a stunt double mask on the horse. We liked the idea of stunt double masks. They're quick on, they're quick off, uh, they dramatically change your appearance, and we started using them and found them to be valuable to our operations. So we went back to our disguise labs out at Langley, and we invented a whole new genre of masks. Masks that are so good, that are so realistic, that you can actually get up close and have a personal contact with someone for an extended period of time. They're good enough that you can brief the President of the United States in the Oval Office wearing a mask. And she's showing photographs of herself briefing George Bush Sr. And she's even holding up the mask. There's a shot of her in the mask feet away from Bush. And then there's a second shot of her without the mask on. She's holding it in her hand. And Who's he the mask of? I have no idea. 
So no, Can I'll, you tell? I'll, I'll brunette, you can't tell. Some brunette woman. I don't think you would know who, you know, I mean, I think it would. It, it, it would she look, wasn't dressed. It wasn't a Biden mask. No, it was not a Biden mask, but it definitely, <laughs> she's, she looks like she must be, you know, she's there as, you know, you can just imagine she's been presented as a CIA briefer and she's briefing uh-huh. Bush. And they're showing off to him. Bush was CIA as right, well. Right, 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 right. She's showing him how great. This is a CIA a party going on in the Oval Office. He isn't right. sure if it's you or if it's, uh, if it's someone else. I said the stunt double mask came off quickly. So did our new masks. On and off like a hat. Those masks were the beginning of a whole new generation of work that we did at the CIA. They've been using these masks since George Bush Sr. Imagine how good they are now. Once we could make these masks that fit you so well, then we discovered we could make a twin. We could make another you. There could be two of you. We could actually make five or six of you, but usually one extra was all we needed. If we had two of you, we could play some games with surveillance and perhaps get some of our officers free. Um, And we did that. You might wonder that I can tell you these stories. And I can tell you these stories because this information is no longer classified. You might also ask me, well then what are they doing if they're not doing this? And I would have to tell you that I can't tell you. (laughs) Because if I did, I'd have to kill you. Thank you. I always love it when CIA agents joke about killing me. (laughs) And then they can make body doubles of me so you'd never know I was gone. (laughs) Because the CIA would never kill somebody for real. (laughs) Jeremy, I think it's happening. so funny. I don't know that we can trust that that Biden is our president, that he's alive, that he's there. Who knows? Did you ever see... The movie Moon Over Parador. Yes, I did. That's a brilliant movie. Okay. So with, by, uh, uh, with what's his name? Uh, Richard, Richard Dreyfus. He's brilliant in that yeah. film. If you haven't seen it, that, you should see it. I mean, that's essentially what you're saying is going on. I think it's that entirely movie, possible. Richard Dreyfus play there's a it's a Parador is a like a Central or South American make-believe country in the movie. And the president, dictator, dies. It's like a heart attack and he dies or something like that. And I think if I recall correctly, like Richard Dreyfus was just this like American guy there on vacation. Or he was something. he was an actor. They were filming a uh, filming a movie uh there. Right. Parador. And the the, and they just, the president finds out that that, that that this actor can do the spot on impression of him, so he has him looks, do the spot and he looks on impression exactly of like him. him, right? And then later that he night, looked, the the president dies, and so the the cabal okay, around the dictator right. they say, "Go get that actor, go get him." Right. So they can't have the president be dead, the dictator be dead. So Richard Dreyfus then steps in and becomes. 
the dictator. He, he they dress him and he he just becomes the dictator. And no one in the country, no one ever, you know, no one can recognize that this is actually a different person. Well, they were, and that, they were, they did look a lot alike. Yeah. So, but that's what you're saying they were is both that played that by this, Richard Dreyfus. If anybody didn't get that, oh, I thought he just really looked like the dictator. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy, for rescuing me from that. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so you're basically you're saying we're in a moon over Parador situation. I, I'm saying it. The CIA has come outright and said it's possible. They are able, back during Bush Sr., they were able to be in a when mask is, in front of him in the Oval Office without him knowing it. When is this video of her? What's her name? Joanne Mendez? Joanne Mendez. Or, I have to go something back. Something like that? Mendez? Yes. Hang on. I'm going to go try and find Tony Mendez's wife? Yep. When is this video from? This, this talk she did at Foggy Bottom. I am looking it up. Hang on. Bear with me. It's because it's interesting to me, like, why is this coming out? Why are the, why is it declassified? You know, why would they Yes, you do have to ask that. To yes. what to what advantage is it of the CIA or the federal government to say to tell everybody, yeah, we've been doing doubles and punking people for a long time with these masks. Like, how could that be advantageous? Well, if the information is really sort of already out there, then it it could behoove them to take ownership of it, and it and it and it makes their uh, their enemies wonder, you know, who's around them, who is anybody. It looks like it's three years old. Okay. Because I'm just sitting there thinking like, oh, this just fuels the conspiracy theory. Yeah, you it's know, possible it doesn't pe- exist at all. Cons- and they're just, yeah, you're The conspiracy right. theory people like Andrew Marcus run around <laughs> thinking this isn't the real Joe Biden. Hey, you've got your trains. I've got my masks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know. I. It- so do you think, do you think he's, he's not? The real Joe Biden? Sometimes. I think that what is what is really at play is the attempt to convince people that nothing is real. So that as actual scandalous things come to light, you're uh, encouraged not to believe it. So by way of example, the alleged 17 audio recordings, 15 of which are uh, by uh, Hunter Biden being bribed by Burisma, and two of which are are Joe Biden himself on these phone calls, if they actually exist by the time they come out, you won't be able to believe anything ever again. How do you know that's Biden's voice? With all the deep I don't think that stuff ever. Yeah, I don't think that stuff ever happened. Right, exactly. So, but I also do, I do believe that the face mask program was real. Israel, I think that they have to disguise themselves all the time. I don't think that that's inaccurate. Uh, how good the technology is, I 
I don't know how in the world you could put on a mask and have the eyes be believable unless you really spend time connecting the mask to your face in some way. I, I, it would seem like it would take a, an awful amount, an awful long time to put that mask on in a really believable way. You may be able to pull it off fast, but you can't put it on fast. Well, and you'd be sweating underneath uh, it. There'd be a shelf life how long you could wear it, probably. Be like yeah, I wonder if it's even true. I got to see this picture or video of Biden's face melting off because I don't know. I wonder if it's even if this is just a disinformation campaign. Yeah, well, it's possible. Like you said, make people think or doubt, like, who have they been talking to, you know, cause that type of fear uh, in people. Where and, and I definitely agree with you that all of this more broadly is part of the effort to cause people to n- no longer be able to distinguish between reality and what is not reality. Uh, so that you can, yeah, you can basically just lie to people and there's no consequence and no one ever actually seeks the truth. Um, just let all your recordings so, hang out because no one's going to believe them anyway. Yeah. Right. Same. Yeah. Same with the with the Hunter laptop and all that stuff. Yep. I mean, I don't even believe that stuff anymore. That, who, who knows? Who cares? It doesn't even matter. Nothing happens to them. Hunter at this point, right. he's got to be a CIA asset himself. He's an asset. He, I think he's like a reverse honey trap. He, he attracts corruption. I, and I think that it may be intentional. No different than what Jeff, whatever Jeffrey Epstein was doing. Just a, yeah, uh, like a cousin be. to it. I, I don't know how else to what explain if he's how actually a hero. He what if he's actually, what if he's a hero? It's, you know, these days, what if he's been you, don't secretly, you have to consider the possibility? <laughs> <laughs> what if he's been secretly really working in the best interest of all of us? Yeah, it's uh, he's smoking crack to save America. Yeah, could be. I don't really think so, but uh, the media is still melting down over Trump's indictment. There, it has gotten very silly. I don't know if you saw Jake Tapper had through a little tantrum on set. Not really even a tantrum. I didn't see it. I saw the headline pop up. I didn't see it happen. Yeah, here's the clip. So it's it's after Trump has been uh, arrested and now he's he's you know uh, gone through the process. He goes to a restaurant, a cafe, uh, does a drop in, and the crowd is incredibly excited to see him. And uh, CNN covers it. And here's what happens. Any way you look at this, and again, despite whatever may be going on in that restaurant. In the restaurant, they were singing happy birthday to to the president. They were, it was a very jovial atmosphere. This case isn't going to be settled legally in a cafe. It's going to be settled in the court based on the facts and law. The folks in the control room, I don't need to see any more of that. He's trying to turn this in. He's trying to turn it into a spectacle, into a campaign ad. That's enough of that. We've seen it already. Jake Tapper pulls the plug on coverage of Trump. <laughs> He's seen enough. He had a little a snit, I think, is the best way to describe it. So he does it. He's disre- he thinks it's disrespectful that, that Trump's response is not solemn. Right. You know, it's funny. funny. 
I remember feeling that way once. A long time ago. I don't know if you remember about, this. What? About Trump? Nope. This applause goes on for a long time. This is the Rose Garden party that Clinton threw the day after he was impeached. This is all of the Democrats from Congress uh, in the Rose Garden, and Bill and Hillary are coming out of the White House just like royalty. And they come down to this crowd of Democratic Congress critters, and it's it's like a party. He's just been in, he's just been impeached. Listen to that. I'm proud to present to you my friend America's great president Bill Clinton. Proud smiles. <clears throat> Thank you very much. Thank you. Good afternoon. Let me begin by expressing my profound and heartfelt thanks to Congressman Gebhardt and the leadership and all the members of the Democratic Caucus for what they did today. I thank the few brave Republicans who withstood enormous pressure to stand with them for the plain meaning of the Constitution. Now, meanwhile, this is not. This wasn't after he was acquitted in the Senate. This was the day after he was impeached. There, yeah, and, that should have been a red flag to all of us then. <laughs> but look at the juxtaposition. Trump went to a restaurant. The, Clinton, they staged a party outside the White House in the Rose Garden. They used the backdrop of the White House, the ultimate image, to celebrate his impeachment. Now, okay, you know, good for both of them. But uh, Jake Tapper, maybe maybe stop being a child. I remembered the Rose Garden <laughs> incident instantly, and I don't even – I'm not in that business. I just lived through it, just like Jake Tapper did. A little disingenuous. Now, uh, let me just play one uh, quick, quick clip this also happened at that restaurant. There was a story about a, there was a reporter there who, she's not a reporter. I, I, I went and looked it up. She doesn't appear to be any kind of reporter. She's just an activist. That's okay. She, I mean, she can, you can go be a reporter for a day. Anybody can be a reporter for a day. But I'm not sure you should bill yourself as a reporter if you just are more of an activist in showing up. But um, she throws out a question to Trump and it gets the crowd's reaction. President Trump, are you ready to go to jail? And now she's about to be hustled and thrown right out the door. And that clip made the rounds because it was, you know, some guy in a suit, some, you know, middle-aged white guy in a suit yells at her, get out, you stupid B-word. Well, exciting day in the restaurant. He probably paid her to be there. 
While we're on Trump supporters, yeah, right. <laughs> he probably did. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very Trumpian. There's always a good a good guy wrestler and a bad guy wrestler. And in that situation, he's the good guy wrestler. So that's boring. You've got to have a, a bad guy wrestler. Jeremy, I think you're absolutely yeah. right. All that does is is, you know, cater to people supporting him, build their support. And then like you see they react. They just get out of here. You know, <laughs> They're very crazy. excited. Oh, right. it's good. It's good video. And, and so I just let me do this real quick. We're we're since we're talking about Trump, there's this video that made the rounds of a Trump supporter at a Dunkin' Donuts. And he's He's in the drive-through. He gets up to the to the window, and the woman at the window says to him, "You know, just so you know, the the car behind you uh, notified the the store to be careful about you because you're a Trump supporter." And he started rolling. All right, so tell me what just happened. The people in the back of um, the car, right behind you, said that you're a Trump supporter, and just to let us know. So they warn you yes. that the car in front of them, which is me, yes. is a Trump supporter. Yes. And what do they think you were supposed to do with that information? I don't know. Treat you differently. Wow. But that's crazy. Wow, how that society is. society is now. Do you see how Democrats are and liberals? Yeah. They're so mean. They're trying to get me bad service because of my political that's beliefs. Crazy, man. I know. That is truly shocking that the car behind me saw my Trump 2024 sticker on the window, alerted the Dunkin' Donuts team that I'm a Trump supporter as if that would have some kind of impact. <laughs> Democrats and liberals are the most hateful people. And what I've noticed is this person's not even pulling up behind me. Oh, there they are. Now this gets really good. But there they're they just are. coexisting. Hey, God, God bless Trump. Trump's inevitable, man. He's coming back. Tr Trump's yeah. coming back. We'll see what, once he's in prison, yeah? That's what you've been saying for seven years, my guy. All right. Dude. For seven years. We'll, we'll see when he, when well, POTUS is in prison, yeah? When your POTUS is in prison. Seven years, my guy, you've been saying the same <laughs> Oh, I'm a xenophobe. I'm a Mexican immigrant. White liberal savior. <laughs> I'm a <laughs> I'm a Mexican immigrant. White liberal savior. Listen to that again. Oh, I'm a xenophobe. I'm a Mexican immigrant. White liberal savior. <laughs> so as I left, I didn't get this on camera because I had to use my app to pay for my my coffee. But as I left, the guy was screaming, "Wait until your family gets deported." <laughs> See how racist these people are? He assumes that my family is illegal and that I'm not a citizen. These Democrats are so hateful and bigoted. It's hilarious. It's so funny to me. God bless Trump. He is inevitable. Oh, can't wait for him to come back. Well, you're going to be waiting, I'm afraid, because the elections are Yeah. Rigged. <laughs> Somehow we have to overcome and the rigging. If we overcome yeah, the rigging, you're it, right. It, He's back all the way. Yeah, it's funny, but it's also not funny. <laughs> right. Exactly. <It's> sad. Uh, <laughs> you <know? laughs> and, you know, uh, the one I'm going to be contrarian for just a moment. He is caught up in the left-right paradigm. Us versus them. He is making what is, I think, a very human 
error. He's not wrong to be upset the at, guy, the, at the person. He's not that guy or Trump. The the guy, the Trump supporter, the guy in the car, the guy okay. in the car, because he's mm-hmm. taking what is obviously this the terrible behavior of the progressive lunatic behind him, and he's using it to project all of the toxicity of our of our current body politic onto the left. Now, I don't on its face disagree that it belongs there, but it belongs everywhere. The, the people on the left do the exact same thing on the right. There are plenty of people on the right that behave like lunatics. And then the people on the left, they say, see, see, look how yeah. racist they are. And right. I, I think people should somehow, without detracting from the fun of seeing that interaction that we just saw, because there it's it's fun to watch that. There's you know I I like that. I like seeing I like seeing somebody you know really just win the moment like that in the face of pure stupidity. Like, um, like just do a backflip and fall on their face. <laughs> right. Well, I like I, I, if I was that guy, I'm not sure I would have the courage to shout out of my car. To the person behind me, you know, Trump's inevitable. He's coming back. You know, it's, I, I feel Chicago. like I want to shot for that. So I don't want. I wouldn't have the. I'm not sure I have the courage to do it. Um, what if I? What if other people start doing that in the drive-through? Like, hey, just so you know, that guy pulling up to your window supports killing babies. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're pregnant, you may want to stand back. Yeah, I did. Uh, it would be a crazy thing to do. It is an unhinged thing that that person did. I mean, that's there's no question. And they should be banned from the Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, oh, for you know life? What this, what's that? For, for life? life? Yeah. Or temporarily? Well, banned from that Dunkin' Donuts for life, just temporarily from the entire chain. Okay. And it's actually a good thing because he's going to save a lot of you know, calories, they'll lose weight, and they'll save money, which he can send to us. Money, 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 How'd you like that? Scoot right out of the segment into the act. Perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, that's right. We've arrived at that time in the program. I guess we call this the unsponsorship block. We are not sponsored. We don't have any corporate sponsors. We have citizen sponsors. This is a community we're building, and it's based on the value-for-value value model. Do you feel as though you've been receiving value from the broadcast thus far, the podcast? Uh, if you feel like you're getting value from this podcast, we ask you to return value so that this podcast can continue living, breathing, and growing. And it is growing. It's very exciting. People are sharing the show. That is the number one way that you can return value to this podcast is sharing the show. A very close second is rating the show and leaving comments where you can leave comments about the show. Apple Podcasts, I think, is probably the most prominent place where you can leave a comment. If you go to Apple Podcasts, and you're wondering, well, where do I rate the show? Where do I leave a comment? You have to scroll down, and at the bottom of our list of all of our episodes, uh, you can see where to uh, leave a comment and rate the show. And we really appreciate that. That's very valuable. Uh, oh, you know what? Maybe it's impossible to, to put a, an order in the value of the uh, of, that people are bringing to the show because there's also executive producer Ann brought serious value to the program today by... 
uh, sending you that segment. To, uh, maybe you could talk about that, Jeremy. Did it save you time? This is the this this is such a key a key component. And in fact, I was outside uh, before recording today. Uh, one of our valued listeners, Keith Mori, who has a company called Mori Painting. Is at my house. He's a listener. I'm, I'm he's at that my up house. That was an ad. What's his? Give, give the business again. Ha- what is it? Maury Painting. Okay. And he's in Chicago and kind of northern Illinois, southern Wisconsin. And he's a he's a he's a great listener of the show. He is here painting my house as we record this broadcast. And we were talking about the show this morning because he loves it. Thank you. And he was telling me how he's been sharing it around and he's been, uh, he went on and he, he said he rated it twice on Spotify. I don't know how he did that. He must have two. Yeah. He must have, it's like voting twice, I guess (laughs) he's from Illinois too. So he knows how to do that. Um, and what I was explaining to Keith, because he loves the show so much, and I was talking about, he's like, what are you going to talk about today? And I'm like, I don't know. Nobody sent me any stories. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, what are you going to talk What's the show going to be about today? He's like, because he can't wait for it. You know, he wanted to listen to while he was going to be painting. I'm like, I don't think we're going to be done, you know, before you leave. But I was like, that's, drive home? he's like, you how can, can I, he home? said, how can I help? This is what he said to me. This is what a good listener active listener keith is is he said how can how i don't even know how to do it i don't know how do i find a clip and send you a clip and i'm like i don't know honestly keith if you're the guy to do that because you're out painting all day that's your job right there's there uh, but if you can if you're sitting around and you find clips you you have to record them and send them in or if it's just a short clip send it to truth at truthbait.com i said but also there are people who we know like to sit around and watch clips find clips or are follow actively more actively following news stories as they develop and those are really great eyeballs following stuff that can really play a significant role and contributing to the amount and type and quality of content that we can talk about and play on the show. And that's what we we could really benefit from because it is a time-consuming undertaking to get the clips ready to know what we're going to talk about, what, why are we going to talk about it, and then we got to prepare it, get it ready so that it's ready to play during the show and it, it is just that could be i don't know if, if you could even call it like a number two or a number three like you just said like how do you even rate these things because sharing the show is huge it is the most important thing but equally as important is any other way that you can participate and those ways are sh- are sharing content with us that you see don't especially just with jeremy because weird. he was almost coming to today's program with nothing apparently i had nothing <laughs> i had nothing 
Thank executive producer Ann bailed me out, and Andrew Marcus bailed me out. Thank you, executive producer Ann. Nice work. Um, that was a very but good I. I loved uh, I loved Keith's enthusiasm and eagerness to help, and we really want people to take on the role of producer. What do what do radio producers do? They help produce the radio show. They find the people for the interviews, for the host of the show to interview. They find news clips for the host of the show to play. We need that here. We need that for this podcast. We need people sending in stories, actively looking online or wherever you're uh, you know, consuming your content and finding those good nuggets, those videos or those sound bites. You know now you've been listening long enough the kind of things that we like to get into here. And there's got to be a few people out there who want to kind of step it up and take on that role of being a more active producer and bringing content to us that we can then package and put it out for everybody else i have so a, i, I have would a clip say that's like a that very important too. way i have something like that from one of our listeners uh janice in, in arizona oh. in our next segment has there's a clip that's coming from her so yeah it's oh it's great. critical no and and that's yeah and people who have been doing it janice in arizona uh cruise director barb uh, Dan and James, there's been a lot, Chris and Delavan, in Wisconsin. We've, I mean, a lot of people are doing it, but, you know, think about it, Andrew, like if five people in one, you know, one week send us good clips, that's five things for us to talk about. Yeah, that we hardly have to work. That can make a, we'd hardly have to do anything except <laughs> the, produce the show. <laughs> produce the <you> whole know. <laughs> show. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it is. It is critically important, and it's and it is part of building the community, and that really is what's going to carry this show in the long run. We hope this show is around uh, for years. I would love to be doing this show with you, Jeremy, for years. It's like therapy for me, frankly, getting to uh, discuss these topics with you and build the community of people who are like-minded and are are opening their eyes as well and can open our eyes. That's... Uh, I, it, I don't have a therapist anymore, Jeremy. It's just you and this podcast now. Well, that's a that's a really big uh, good step. I'm glad you've taken <laughs> because therapists can make things a lot worse. <laughs> uh, but I can think of a better therapist than myself for you. <laughs> I think that uh, that that yeah, we just the community component is what would what will keep the show going more than anything because that's what like i mean we we have not taken a dime in donations yet have we no we have we not. have we have we have taken no we have 12 cents <laughs> that's right in right stats we got 470 <laughs> satoshis we don't have we have no Somebody, idea how to redeem them <laughs> some listener whoever you are thank you by the way thank you for the 470 <laughs> satoshis we somebody figured out how to donate satoshis to an account i don't even know where the account is so i think it's, it's connected fountain, to our show it's on fountain which is a podcast app and i think that 
I could be wrong. I think that when somebody liked somebody liked our show, and that's how we ended up with Satoshi's. That's how that ecosystem works. I'm still trying to learn okay, about it. So it, it, I feel so four, old just even thinking about it all. Just so everybody knows, 470 Satoshi's, which is like it's like Bitcoin, but it's only twelve cents. It's not like an actual Bitcoin that's twenty thousand dollars. So somebody out there donated 470 Satoshis. That is 12 cents that Andrew <laughs> and I split. <laughs> Does that exchange so got, rate change at all? <laughs> Will that eventually be I worth think it, 13 cents? I think it... I think it does. In that case, you and I would each have six and a half cents. <laughs> and so far, you know, at episode 34, which is like, I don't know how many Satoshis per episode. And if anybody and out there could explain cents. to us what a Satoshi is, we'd really be grateful if you could translate that into elderly speak. So here's what I can tell you. Uh we're not in it for the money. <laughs> <laughs> or the Satoshis. <laughs> um, it is, to me, it's a pleasure to hear from people. When people give feedback, when people write in and talk about the things they like or didn't like about the show, and I do think we like that equally as much. When people are dis in disagreement or questioning the things that we say, is that that is what the com that's building something that is just fun to participate in. Doesn't matter if we get, you know, 12 more Satoshis. So, um, I mean, that Andrew's right. That is what will keep the show uh, going. That definitely is my motivating factor. Because I talk to Andrew a lot and I <laughs> can talk to him all the time. Without everybody else. Right. <laughs> so if you guys want to keep listening to us talk to each other, you have to start participating in the conversation. Uh, well, let's move, let's go to as This is, like I said, this is a perfect example. I had a clip of, uh, do you remember uh, Dr. Walensky, Walensky of the, of the uh, CDC, director of the CDC? Mm -hmm. She's leaving. Uh the CDC. She's, but she went to the Hill to give testimony. Yes, exactly. And something happened at the hearing, and I have the clip of what happened at the hearing. That's been making the round. Some people may have heard it already, but the, but Janice, a completely serendipity. She sends me a clip late, at two o'clock in the morning last night. There or this morning. Two o'clock in the morning. I have the entire show prepped, locked, loaded, ready to go. And she sends me this clip, and I like, oh, I have to add this clip. How do I not add this clip? It's perfect. This is the clip she sent. It's the perfect setup for what I'm going to play. There is a clear message that is coming through. This is becoming a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And we're seeing it in the data. Unvaccinated Americans account for virtually all recent COVID-19 hospitalizations and deaths. We still, to this day, do not have data on people who are coming into the hospitals who are vaccinated. That is a data point that we have lacked. So she sends me that clip, which is Walensky before and after, before saying this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Uh, and 
then she, you know, yes, this was at, uh, on the, uh, this was two days ago. Yeah. Three days ago, June 13th, uh, when she was giving the testimony that she f- was finally forced to admit that. We still, to this day, do not have data on people who are coming into the hospitals who are vaccinated. That is a data point that we have lacked. But they knew that everybody who was being hospitalized and having uh, fatal cases, they were all the unvaccinated, even though we never knew whether or not anybody was vaccinated or unvaccinated. Complete? Yeah, didn't didn't you just go into the hospital and die last week? (laughs) A few weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) They never asked me. They never asked me. For all I know, they vaccinated me while I was there. I don't know. So now that... I thought, well, that's the perfect setup for the clip that I was going to present, which was this. Uh, Walensky, when she was walking into that hearing, there was somebody seated in the front row waiting for her to ambush her. And listen to this. Hey, Dr. Walensky. Ivan Raikland. I really look forward to you testifying about your involvement in murdering 38,000 Americans due to the jab. So, I mean, he extends his hand. He's, he says, I, I'm really looking forward to. <laughs> so that They're was... They're in an elevator? What's that? They're in an elevator? That's in the hearing room. No, that's in the hearing room. Oh, in the hearing room. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, let's see. I have the guy's name. Ivan, Ivan Raiklin is the person's name. Former Green Beret and lawyer. Deep State That's great. I think people don't realize probably that any of these hearings, if there's room inside the room, like you can just walk in and listen and watch. Any of these, they're, they're all in a building that you can get inside and walk right into the room. Uh, let's see here. Um, oh, greedflation. Have you ever heard of greedflation, Jeremy? No. Well, I did about an hour and a half ago. <laughs> greedflation. This is from CNN Business. CNN Business. Last up, a theory embraced by progressives that corporate greed is the driving force behind inflation is now going mainstream. Oh, yeah, I bet it is. Does this mean they're admitting that there is inflation? I thought inflation was tamed. It's under control now. Things are great. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yes, there are signs that... Are you awake? Are you there still? <laughs> Did we lose you from all the well, technical I thought you were errors? Go back to the, I, I thought you were going back to the clip. I thought ah, you sorry. were just going to go back to the clip. Yes, there are signs that inflation is finally starting to slow down. Prices still rose in April, but not as much as they had been before. So why is it taking so long for inflation to cool off when the Federal Reserve has hiked interest rates 10 times since last March? Well, progressives for years have been pointing to greedflation, the idea that companies are using higher costs as an excuse to overcharge customers while bringing in record profits. But now, some mainstream economists are now backing that theory. Why? 
Emily Peck is a markets correspondent at Axios. Emily, you recently wrote about how greedflation used to be dismissed as this fringe conspiracy theory, but is now being taken more seriously. What changed? I, by the way, I don't know that anybody ever dismissed it as a conspiracy theory. It's just stupid. It's dismissed as ignorant. <laughs> Listen to the ignorance. Um, what changes inflation stuck around for a really long time and the driving factors seem to be disappearing. You know, first we had supply chain snarls driving inflation. Those have largely gone away. Then we had war in Ukraine driving inflation. We all saw gas prices soar. We saw energy prices soar. We understood, okay, prices are still rising because of this war now. Then that stabilized, but price, prices still stayed high. So there was a natural curiosity and drive to figure out, you know, what's going on here? You know, the, the driving factors seem to have gone away and yet inflation is sticking around. So there was a lot more curiosity among a lot of economists to just sort of figure it out. If it really is companies, um, you know, increasing prices that's driving inflation, let's assume that. Are, are you surprised that the public has been willing to accept higher prices? Yeah, yeah. Um, I am a little bit surprised because sometimes the excuses are a company will literally say inflation's high, so we have to raise prices, which when you kind of think about it, doesn't quite make sense are they saying their input costs have gone up it doesn't none of it it doesn't make any sense jeremy <laughs> no, none none of what she's saying has anything to do with inflation <laughs> it's none just of it. corporate greed jeremy she's from axios she, what did he say she was? Market Their fin expert. She's, she's a, a financial expert. Market expert. The financial expert. What show is this? Nightcap on CNN Nightcap Business. This has got to be their overnight, on CNN, their overnight program. Nobody's watching during they, the day. There's really nobody watching at night. Okay. Even still, the... Inflation is because the value of your currency is in the toilet. Too many dollars and it's swirling too down. Few goods. It's and it's swirling down. It's getting flushed and it's getting worse and worse and worse every day. Inflation is not because of supply chain issues. Inflation is not because it was hard to get certain products or certain products aren't there or because of all of these other reasons. She states every reason except the real reason for inflation. Inflation is your currency becoming worthless. Period. The value of your dollar is lower than before. Yeah, well you so can, it takes more dollars to buy the goods. Yes, now you add you, supply but, chain but, issues into that. But it's very easy to explain. And that drives the price Jeremy. up. It's very easy to explain. They passed tr multi-trillion dollar spending bills when things were shut down. You injected a tremendous amount of money supply when there wasn't anything to buy. So you had too many dollars chasing too few goods. Period. The end. It's so easy. If you want right. to want they can raise interest rates till the cows come home. If they don't stop printing money, it won't matter. You're going to continue to have inflation, just at a slightly less rate.
Now, this makes me think, though, that inflation is about to to actually come back down into normal ranges. Uh, the, the prices will never retreat, but we'll be here for uh, an extended amount of time. And the, the, what they're setting up is they're going to have a campaign against greedflation, these evil, greedy companies. And then when the inflation rate naturally balances uh, because they've run out of uh, money to print for a little while, uh, it'll be their great success. Look what we did. We got right. Those they're going to say they prevented corporates to, to, to stop raising their prices on you. We're your heroes. Yeah, they're going to say they prevent. They're going to say they prevented hyperinflation. That's exactly they're right. Say, <laughs> no, that's the signal. They, they, that, they're going to say the inflation they, is. They're going to say they. Yeah, they're going to say they saved or created <laughs> not having high inflation. <laughs> that is right. <laughs> That is right. Um, Inf- inflation was only 8%, but it was going to be 16% had we not acted. Well, thank so. goodness for for those experts and for the government. appreciate them. Uh, so let me play. This is a follow-up to the, to the, the Project Veritas story that we had in the last episode uh, of Hannah Giles being named CEO of Project Veritas and now leading an organization that is suing James O'Keefe. Uh, last night, I came across this clip that was uh, I, I maybe recently released, very recently released on Project Veritas. Uh, confronting, this is Project Veritas journalists confronting Eric Adams in New York. Mayor, Mayor Adams, hey, why is New York spending right, so much money? Why is New York spending so much money to transfer migrants to a hotel in Rockland County? Mayor Adams, do the taxpayers know what you're spending to send migrants to Rockland County? I'm asking you why you're doing. No, I'm asking you where should they go? Why do you house them in the first place? Because that's the way this country is. I'm not the mayor you, of New York City. You are, you, sir. But tell me something. Are you American Indian? No. You came from where? I came from America. You came from America? That's yeah. where your ancestors came from? My question for no, you. That's where your ancestors came from? I don't know where my ancestors oh, came from. No, my question you for you, sir. You're somewhere. the mayor of New York City right. and you're spending millions of taxpayer dollars to you. send them. You didn't answer my question. That's Why? How can you justify spending all that money to send? Are you just this making another problem? This is an amazing undercover expose. Isn't this some of their finest work? Here's a second part. James Lalino, Project Veritas. Sir, you're the... This is their senior investigative reporter, James Lalino. James Lalino, Project Veritas. Sir. What's that? He was the one that was in that video they first they released right after James was axed. Yo, this is the new Same James. guy. This guy's the new right. James. This it's is obvious. new James. Yep, yeah, J- right, new James. James. James Lalino, Project Veritas. Sir, <laughs> he literally is the new James. His name is James. <laughs> James Lalino, Project Veritas. Sir, you're the president of DocGo, correct? And we're just curious, what is DocGo's relationship with uh, Ashik Bot and Armani Inn & Suites? We have a lease agreement that shows a very lucrative deal between Ashik Bot's group, Palisades Group, and, uh, and DocGo signing onto the lease. I'm immediately donating to O'Keefe Media Group. That's the place to put your money. Project Veritas is worthless now if this is what they're doing. Listen, to, I'm just going to play this again. Bobby Har, Project Veritas journalist. This is what Project Veritas is now. Mayor, Mayor Adams, hey, why is New York spending right, so much money? Why is New York spending so much money to transfer migrants to a hotel in Rockland County? Well, bravo, Project Veritas. 
That's that is incredible. It really is outstanding just... undercover journalism oh. right there. The, I, I can't even believe Eric Adams hasn't resigned yet. <laughs> exactly. With a hit like that, with an amazing undercover expose like that, uh. how is that guy still in office? <sighs> yeah, it's sad. It is sad. And on that sad note, <laughs> thank you everybody for listening to the Truth Bait podcast. We hope you have a fantastic weekend and will join us Tuesday when we bring you a fresh, brand new episode of the Truth Bait podcast. We come to you every Tuesday and Friday without fail. To the best of our ability. Who are our producers, Jeremy? We had uh, Janice in Arizona. Executive producer, Anne. And... Uh... We thank everybody for sharing the show. Wait, you had the other producer, your your painter. Yes, Keith, producer Keith Mori has been sharing the show. Anybody needs painters, painting, call Keith. I need paint. Um, Look me up. Uh, he, I bet he would love to Let's paint your house. Do you got a bulletproof vest for him? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> he could borrow my wife's. Thank you, everybody. Uh, did anybody get the secret word? Yes. Jenny L. in Delavan, Wisconsin. You will receive a lifetime of harassment. That was the word. Do you remember that was the word? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to contract with Alex Stein 99 to harass her. Oh, yeah. That's about what he's good at doing. Oh, wait. You said it wasn't harassment what he was doing. (laughs) No, but the secret word was harassment. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but now you just admitted I was right, and he was harassing <laughs> well, that I think very kind of, tall woman basketball player. He was not that harassing her. He was harassing her. He was dehumanizing. You sound like a a, he's a miserable. <laughs> he's a miserable human being. <laughs> now you're dehumanizing him. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that guy. Uh, all right, do we have a secret word for today? Secret word for today is, uh, you said it at the beginning of the show. I did? Greedflation. Oh, I like it. Okay, greedflation. And what did we say the title was going to be? I've forgotten already. I forgot also. Uh, I got to go back and listen because it was a good one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, the show will have to wait a few minutes for me to go and find that. (laughs) All right. Very good. Well, thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Mr. Marcus. And now... uh, Yes? Yeah? I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go fishing tomorrow. No, but you are going to go back into the sea of clickbait with us all. Yes.